we, as a church, we, we have a heart for adoption. for several reasons. Um, and and I, won't, I won't go into all of the reasons um, today, but I, I do want to say that the, the number one reason that we have a heart for adoption is because God has a heart for adoption. Uh, that's why we all have been uh, pursued and invited into his family. Uh, he has a heart for adoption. He is father when you, you know when you when you tear it all down and you get to the core he's a father and um, he's the best father ever and uh, and, and these men and women uh, are walking in the character and nature of God when they say yes to adoption uh, when you give a dollar or $10 or $10,000 to the adoption fund to help uh, us in our, our ministry and heart towards adoption. You are exhibiting the heart of the Father. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, we want to pray for these. Let me just, why don't we get some people up here to get around them. Don't touch them on the head. Um, but just gather around them. Maybe put a hand on their shoulder. And uh, if, if you don't like your shoulder being touched, you can call Brad. He, he is our shoulder person. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> the rest of you just extend your hands this way. And uh, let's pray for these. Uh, Jesus, I, I thank you um, that the reason that we have, as a church have a heart for adoption is because you have put it there. You have birthed this in us because it's in you. And I pray, uh, not just for these across the front, but I pray for our whole church, Lord, that we would walk in that grace and that you would show us how to do it better, uh, to, to do it more effectively, to do it more widespread, to reach more, to help more. I pray for these across the front of the room, especially today. I pray that they would feel your heartbeat. They would know that you have made them smile and they have made you smile. And I thank you, Lord, for their yes. I thank you for their yes. Some of them were, were afraid when they said yes. I thank you for their courage. And sometimes the first step in didn't go the way they thought it would go. And they were even more scared and they still kept going. And I thank you for their faithfulness and their obedience. And I pray, Lord, you will continue to bless them and continue to use them. And I pray you would continue to teach us what it means to have a heart for adoption. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all can clap for them again. Uh, if, if you don't know, uh, if you're new to Riverstone or, or you just somehow it, it slipped past you, uh, we, we do have an adoption fund at Riverstone that, and you can give uh, to that fund and we use that to help families adopt we use it to help ministries that 
uh, are focused on uh, being champions uh, in that arena. And so uh, if you want to do that, you can do that at any time. So today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about harvest because there, there's just a natural relationship between adoption and harvest. Uh, we are uh, children of God. We have been adopted into his family, and that is uh, our, our birthright. Uh, we have been invited into his family. We have been chosen by him. To be his children, it's a pretty amazing thing. It's an incredible thing, actually. We're going to look in a minute at John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, uh, you know, one of the old-fashioned kind that has pages and stuff, um, you can turn there and stick your finger in there and hold it for a few minutes. Uh, otherwise, we'll, we'll have words on the screen eventually. But let me just kind of lay the, the groundwork for where we're going today. Um, God has never had to do anything outside of his nature and character. Now think about that for a minute. God has never been forced to act in a way that violated his nature or his character or contradicted his nature or his character And so what does that mean for us? If God acts according to his nature, if he acts according to his character, if he acts according to his heart, uh, what does that mean for us? So most of the time in church, people, when they're up here on the stage, they ask a question and you assume, okay, he doesn't want me to answer that. He's going to answer his own question, right? And I will eventually, but... Since you don't answer questions when people ask them from the stage, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to ask you again. So if God has never been forced to act in a way that contradicts his nature and his character or his heart, what does that mean? What are the implications for you if you're a child of God? That's really... You were so far ahead of me. <laughs> I'm going to get there eventually, brother. He leads by example that way. He leads by example. He says that we should be the same. We should be like our father. Before that, we can trust him. Before that, why are you his child? Why? Who said that? What did you say, Matt? Bingo. God did not welcome any of you reluctantly into his family. He has never been forced to receive you. He didn't receive you because it's in his job description as God. He received you because it's his heart. He wants you. If you're his today, it's because he wants you to be his. And that's the foundation of everything. That, that's the foundation of it all. Is that God has never 
been forced to operate outside of his character. And so if you are his, it's because he wants you to be his. He has pursued you. Uh, He has chosen you and invited you into his family because he wants you. Now, some of my Wesleyan brothers are sitting there and you're thinking, Tom, you're getting dangerously close to Calvinism. And I am. I, I am a hair's breadth away. And John Wesley said that he was a hair's breadth away. God has not reluctantly accepted us. He has wholeheartedly welcomed us. Okay? Uh, Eugene Peterson passed away recently. And and, uh, Eugene Peterson, in my opinion, was a man who did things the right way for a really long time. For a really long time. He he is uh, one of those uh, spiritual leaders and, and, and spiritual fathers that, that we could look to and depend on and trust. His, his voice uh, was consistent. This is what his son said about him at his funeral. My dad had only one sermon. He actually said that his dad had fooled people for 50 years that everybody thought he had all of this expansive wisdom. And he said, my, my dad just had one sermon. For 50 years, he preached the same sermon. And, and he went on to say that for 50 years, his dad would sneak into his bedroom at night. Maybe not for 50 years. Because that would be kind of weird, right? <laughs> but he said for all of his childhood growing up in his dad's home that his dad would sneak into his bedroom at night and he would whisper these words. Whether he was awake or asleep, his dad would whisper these words. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. You see, God has a plan. You know what his plan is? No more orphans. That's his plan. No more orphans. In fact, the Bible says it is his desire that none would perish. He, He wants us all. He wants us all. And he is relentless in his pursuit of you. Now, some of you are here today and you know what I'm talking about because you've said yes to his pursuit. You've turned and you've allowed him in his pursuit to catch you. And, And you have allowed him to cause you to fall head over heels in love with him. And some of you are here today because you're, you're still trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure out what does it mean even to follow God and, and can I do it and, and can I do it well and can I do it right and can I do it in a way that at the end would cause him to check my box and let me in? And the answer is no. You can't. But he can't. And that's why it's so important that we understand that his invitation 
is a, a, an invitation of love and that it has no reluctance in it because he doesn't say, get it right and I'll let you in. He says, I love you, let me in. See, it's really not even about him letting us in. It's about us letting him in because what he really wants to do is he wants to come and live in you. He, he doesn't want you to learn how to live for him. He wants you to allow him to live through you. It's an incredible difference. It may seem subtle, but, but it's not. It's a big deal. So let's look at John 4. I mean, yeah, John 4. What verses did I tell y'all? Yeah, 27 to 38, that'll work. Okay, here we go. So let me, let me set this up. So Jesus has been uh, at the well with, this, with the woman, the Samaritan woman. His disciples went off to get food and, uh, and stuff, and, and he's there, and he has this encounter with, with the Samaritan woman at the well, and, and he tells her stuff that just blow her mind, and she runs back and gets a whole town, and, and, and that's kind of how the story goes. And then this is what happens after that. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I've ever done. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples said to one another, did somebody bring him food while we were gone? And that's kind of what they're thinking. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you didn't labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, that you would allow us uh, to see things uh, that we maybe haven't seen, to understand things uh, differently perhaps than we've understood them. More than anything, I pray God that you would allow us uh, to hear your heart and to receive from you uh, the invitation and the call that you uh, have placed before us. Uh, what an opportunity and so, Lord, I pray that we would embrace it in love, uh, without fear, and that we would know that you've invited us into this, this adventure because of your love for us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So Jesus says to his disciples, he's, he's had this encounter with this woman at the well, and it, it, you know, it's, it's an incredible encounter. They come back, and uh, you know, they're curious. They're looking, and they're thinking, this is weird. Why is he talking to a woman, and why is he talking to a Samaritan woman? And, and did somebody bring him food? And they have all these questions in their heart, but they're not really asking him. They're just letting these questions play out in their minds, or maybe they're asking each other, but they're not really asking him. And then in the, in the course of all that, Jesus looks at them and he, and he makes this statement. The fields are white. He says, look, look around. Look around. The fields are white. Now, so what, what does he mean by that? I mean, what, what does that even mean? The fields are white. Now, we, we know that from an agricultural standpoint, that wheat looks different when it's ready to harvest, right? Any farmers here? Not many. <laughs> so wheat has a, it, there's a different color. It's a lighter color when it's time to harvest. And so uh, Jesus is saying, you can tell. You can tell by looking when it's time to harvest. And he's encouraging the disciples to look around, to take a look and, and to see that it's time to do stuff. Now, what does he mean by that? And, and perhaps he means that the atmosphere of the region is primed and ripe for revival. That could be it. I mean, that could totally be what he's talking about. Uh, the reason that we pray on Tuesdays and the reason that we pray on Thursday mornings and the reason that uh, we pray before the service on Sundays over here and over here. Uh, we pray and we ask the Lord to move in this region. We ask him to, to stir up in this community an, an atmosphere that's ripe and primed and ready for revival. We do because we believe that God wants to do that. And so it could very well mean uh, that Jesus is saying to his disciples, uh, the atmosphere is ready. The atmosphere is primed for revival. It could be that Jesus is saying seeds have been planted and water has come and the seed is about to burst forth in fruit. It, it, it could be that. And a lot of people believe that that's exactly what he's saying, that he's saying to the disciples, things have been happening before you Things that you didn't do. God has used other people to get things ready, but if you'll pay attention, he'll allow you to participate in the harvest, which is the really fun part, right? And so he's, he could be saying that. He could be saying to the disciples, you know, the seed's been planted and it's been watered and, and it's, it's, it's come full term. And, and it could be that it's ready to burst forth and you'll get to be a part of that. And I think that's, I think that's true. But, but let me tell you at least one more thing that he could be saying, that I, that I think he is saying. And I'm not saying that this is exclusively what he's saying. I think it's all three things. But one of the things that maybe we don't think about that I think Jesus is saying to his disciples is this. There's never been a time in history 
where people needed me more. Jesus looks at the community that he's in and he says to his disciples, oh, wow. There's so much that we can do because there's never been a time in history where people needed me more. And you know, it's really true of today. It's true of yesterday, and it will be true of tomorrow. There's never been a time when people didn't need him. There's never been a time in history that people needed him more than right now. And so, you and I are called into this harvest. And the beauty of the harvest that we're called into is that the seeds have been planted. And seeds have been planted for years and years and years, for decades. Seeds have been planted for centuries, for generation after generation after generation. Seeds have been planted in families and in, in communities and in, in traditions and in churches all, all over the land and all across the planet, all across the globe. This thing has been progressing. Will there be a revival of epic proportions before Jesus returns? Well, if you read the Bible, it seems to say yes. And so we're moving towards this time of great harvest. We're moving towards it, but we're also living in it. And that's the thing I want you to grasp today. Last, last week we talked about missions uh, and living missionally. And one of the things that we said is that most of us, some of us will be called to faraway places, but most of us, uh, and conservatively I would say 95% of us, the calling of God on our life is to go a short distance for a really long time. Some of you will be called to go a long distance for a long time or a long distance for a short time. But most of us, the call of God, the most predominant call on our life is to go a short distance for a really long time. Here's, here's what's exciting about that. When it comes to harvest, you don't have to go anywhere different than you go every day. And when it comes to harvest, guess what else? You don't have to do anything different than you do every day. You can go to the same places and you can do the same things. But, you must go and do differently. Not different, differently. Because we have to learn to go intentionally. Do you think Jesus was surprised by the woman at the well? Do you think Jesus walked up and, oh, there's a woman. Oh my gosh, I never dreamed there'd be a woman. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, there's a woman. I need to, oh, culturally, I need. 
I think Jesus was looking. I think he woke up that morning and said, Father, what do you have for me today? And the Lord said, the father said, you're not going to believe this. But we're going we're gonna to talk to a Samaritan woman today. And Jesus went, oh, snap. <laughs> and so when they get there and, and he's looking around, he goes, well, there she is. He wasn't surprised because he lived so in this divine rhythm of obedience with the heartbeat of his father that he wasn't surprised when God opened doors. He wasn't surprised when God led him into situations. Even if they were unusual, they didn't surprise him because he expected God, the Father, to lead him into unusual situations because he lived on purpose. Now, here's what gets really good for y'all. Get in groups of four or five. Uh, if you're with your family, I don't care. You can sit, you can just gather with your family. But I want you to get in a group. I want you to be facing each other so that you can talk because I'm going to give you some things to talk about, okay? So this is, this is real. This is happening. <laughs> you, uh, you know, if you, you could pretend like you need to go to the bathroom and not come back. I... <laughs> But for those of you who are brave enough to stay, I want you to just get in a little clump of people real quick, okay? We're going to move through this as quickly as we can. All right. So, as you're getting ready to talk in your group, here's the thing you need to understand. We started with the foundation that God the Father has never had to act in a way that was contrary to his nature. Well, guess what? You do. You do. I'm sorry that you do. You do, I do. Our nature is not to be holy. Our nature is not to be obedient. Our nature is to be sinful and rebellious. That's our nature. Our nature is to be selfish. It's the nature that we were born with. But the good news is, if you've said yes to Jesus, he is renewing your nature. He is giving you his nature. He's putting his nature in you. Now, right now, it's probably true that at least to some degree, you're in a bit of a fight. You may be in a bit of a fight right now, and it's with me. And, but you're in this fight of nature's. Because you want the new nature. But oh, you're so much more comfortable with the old one. And there's this wrestling match. And so we're going to choose today to step away from the old nature and embrace the new nature. Okay? So here, here's question number one for you. What is my place? When it comes to the harvest, I just said that most of you, you're already going every day. Or at least every week. You're already entering into the place of harvest that God has for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a place. It may be a neighborhood. It may be where you work. It may be your school. It may be your favorite coffee shop. But there's a place that if you stop long enough to say, God, where's my place? You know what he's going to say. And so I want you just real quickly around the circle to tell, just tell your, your people in your group where your place is. 
What is the place that God has said, this is where I want you to harvest? Okay, so go for it. All right. Here's what I want to challenge you with this. If you're, you know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, I don't even really know where my place is. I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't have a place. What are you talking about place? I don't have a place. You know, I'm like John Wesley. The world is my place. <laughs> Narrow it down. <laughs> Narrow it down, okay? And, I, and if you don't know what your place is, then I, I just would encourage you, uh, before today is over, before you go to bed tonight, just, just ask the Lord, God, God, do I have a place? And if I, would you tell me where, where, what it is? Or, or would you point me to one? Okay, all right, so here's the second question. Who are my people? Who are my people? And you may have already answered that, but it could be that you know where your place is, but you're not sure who, the, who your people are. Or it may be that right off the bat, you, go, you can see faces. You know, maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's somebody that you've been working with for years. Uh, but when you pray for the lost, are there faces that come into your mind? I, I, every, for 14, for 12 years, every time I was ever in a meeting where they said, pray for the lost, my wife would yell out her father's name. And then one day, guess what happened? Yeah, he came to the Lord. So who are the faces? Not just the places, but, but what are the faces? So talk around your circle. If there are faces or names, you don't, and you don't have to mention names, but you can just say, I know who my person is. I know who my people are. And just talk about that for a second. All right. Last question. And this is a big one. And this is, I want you um, maybe to take a minute or two to pray about this one. And it may be that while we're doing, having communion and, and doing some ministry time, you might want to deal with this one as well. So here's your last question. What is my wall? What is my wall? I mean, if you know who, what your place is and you know who your people are, what are you waiting for? And so sometimes it's, we're nervous, sometimes we're afraid. Maybe sometimes, you know, Rejection is just the thing that we don't want to invite. You know what I'm saying. What is it that's holding you back? And I, I would just encourage you, to, if you know what it is, to name it. And if you don't know what it is, ask God to name it. Because we, we got to get rid of these walls so we can enjoy the harvest, right? Okay. So what's your wall? For some of you, your wall has to do with the fact that you never got in a group today. <laughs> and that's okay. I understand that. As you've noticed, maybe I didn't get in a group either. I'm up here by myself. I've got a group right here. I should have been a part of this. We are naturally afraid. We are. We are naturally afraid. Obedience doesn't come easy for us, but God wants to change our heart. He wants to change our nature, and he wants to make it easier. Okay, so here's, here's how I'm going to finish this up. We, uh, you may never go to the mall and stop strangers 
uh, and pray for healing and lead them to Jesus. You, you may never do that. Some of you will. Some of you do. I get text messages from some of you. Some of you guys are just absolute heroes of mine because you send me videos of people that, that you've prayed for in the mall and they were healed and it's, it's so encouraging. And some of you will never do that. And that's okay. But here's what, you, here's what we all need to do. We need to be better at this. When you wake up in the morning, before you go to your place, before you see your people, when you wake up in the morning, every day, just say, God, what do you have for me today? What, what are we going to do today? How many of you love going on vacation with people who want everything planned out? No. No. I love waking up in the morning. What are we going to do today? Let's, let's have some fun today. Let's be surprised by today. And I think, that, I think God loves to bless us with surprises. And so every morning when you get up, before you go out to your places to see your people, just ask him, God, what are we going to do today? What do you have for me today? Do you want me to say something today? It's okay if in the back of your mind you're praying, oh, please, God, don't. And as long as when he says, yes, I do, you are willing to acquiesce. Okay? Willing to. I love Mark Nicewonder's prayer. I'm not willing, but I'm willing for you to make me willing. <laughs> he, he can work with that. He can. So we have a place. We got people. We'll ask God, bring down the walls. Tell me what to do. We can begin to see harvest. It's not some big, huge event that we have to wait for, wait off in the distance. It, it can start today. It's already started. It's already started. So let's get in on it. All right, it, it's, it's kind of late, but we're get, we got some things we still want to do. And so I want you to hang with me if you can. I'm going to ask our servers to come and get ready. And we're just going to uh, move into communion and ministry time all at, at once. Um, why don't we do this? Uh, when we start serving here in a minute, if our prayer teams would come first and receive and then go off to the sides and be prayer stations, then the rest of you, when you come, and receive uh, the bread and the juice. If, if you want prayer today, just go from straight from communion table to a prayer team and get prayer. And I encourage you specifically to ask the Lord to bring down the walls, show you your people and your places, and, and, and stir up in you a heart for the harvest. Okay? Y'all do that? Yeah. Kind of just do this. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, we're getting close. Um, why don't we do this? Why don't you stand as we get ready? I'm gonna. Can you guys? Can you guys throw the Apostles' Creed up on the screen? And let's start with that. Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As you come today, this is the Lord's table. You are welcome here. He does not receive you to his table reluctantly. He wants you to come and receive from him. If you know him, come and receive grace to love him more deeply. If you have never said yes to him, but want to say yes to him, come to his table and meet him here. The grace of God is available at his table for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Come to this table and leave never the same again. In Jesus' name, amen.